Welcome to the Kingdom Revival Culture Podcast, keeping you in touch with Faith Mountain Fellowship Church in Red River, New Mexico. You know, the love that Jesus Christ calls his body to is an amazing, everlasting, unconditional love. And this podcast is just one of the ways that you and I can build each other up in that love. So to start, just enjoy this message, and then please contact us with prayer requests, feedback, or anything else you'd like to discuss at fmfcpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from everyone interested in helping create a kingdom revival culture. I want to welcome all of those that are listening by Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us this morning. Um, Wow, what a special day. How many believe that we're living in an incredible time in history? That was not very good. Thank you, Carol. (laughs) How many of you believe we're living in an incredible time in history? Amen, that's better. We're seeing things that have never seen before. We're seeing the body of Christ function in ways that's never functioned before. Um, There's a lot of darkness, but you know what? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? Remember when Jesus, this is before he went to the cross. Remember, he's on earth, and he's teaching us to pray, and he says, pray this way. Pray that my kingdom will come, my will will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, how many of you pray that prayer? Uh, I do too, very often as a matter of fact. But you realize that when he went to the cross and died for us, his kingdom came. And it lives in us. Is that right? If you're in Christ Jesus, then the, the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God resides within us. And so for quite a while now, we've been talking about what it looks like to operate in God's authority and in His power through Jesus Christ. Um, last week, I shared something with you uh, that was it was kind of a revelation to me. I've talked about it a lot, but, you know, sometimes God just opens, just kind of pulls a veil back, and, and you see something in Scripture that maybe you never really saw before. Um, you realize that we are three parts, right? And I'm going to go through this real quick because this is last week's sermon. We're what? Spirit, soul, and body, right? Everybody's right with that. Okay, we're going to celebrate Nigel's life today. Um, And his body died, his physical body. And I tell young people, I know that you're you're excited about your physical body, but when you start getting up towards our age, then all of a sudden it's kind of like, you know, this new body sounds pretty good to me. Um, Our soul is our mind and our will and our emotions, right? And those that's what's being saved is our soul, because when we accept Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that we are a a new creation. When we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then we are reborn and we're a new creation, and our spirit is reborn and it's seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. That's in Ephesians 2, okay? It tells us that. It also tells us in Ephesians 1 that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing through Christ in the heavenly realms. Now, I want you to stop and think about that for a minute. We have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing through Jesus. Man. So, we have dual citizenship. We live here on this earth, 
but we're seated in the heavenlies with Christ. And I listened to a message a while back, and, and I was sharing this last week, but we have a choice moment by moment, day by day, as to which perspective we want to live from. And we can live from an earth to heaven perspective, uh, and that means that all the things that are going on around us this morning, we went out, got in the car, we're loaded up, got ready to start it, and Lainey has a Land Rover and pushed the key and it has this funky key, and all of a sudden, instead of starting, it started flashing all kinds of crazy things at us, and I couldn't get the key out. It was just a mess. And I was living from earth to heaven because I, there were circumstances around me trying, trying to drag me down and Lainey and both of us. And both of us, I think, realized we didn't talk about it, but, but, you know, God has a plan for us and I knew that he will take care of it. I don't know how he's going to take care of it, but a heaven to earth perspective is when I look from where I'm seated in the heavenlies with Christ and I realize that the spiritual blessings are all around me, and that God will release those when I need them. And when I can look from a heaven-to-earth perspective, what I'm looking is I'm looking from the future to the present. I'm looking for where I'm seated, where Nigel is seated right now in the heavenlies with Christ. And all of a sudden, I realize no matter what comes into my life, the Bible promises that no matter what comes into our lives in Romans 8, 28, that He will turn it for good for those who love us and called according to, our, to His purpose. Is that right? Yeah. We say amen to that, but I don't know if we really understand that. That God, how could He take the death of a young man and turn that for good? Well, you know what? At the service out um, in Virginia... People got saved. People's lives got changed. And we're going to celebrate that this afternoon. But we can't see all the turns. We can't see all the trouble and tribulation that's coming. Jesus said it will be, you will have trouble and tribulation. But what we can see is we can see this path that leads to our our eternal destiny. And I just have to learn to focus from that position because when I'm looking from the, the earthly perspective... And all the circumstances are gathering around me. It's, it can be discouraging. It can be hard. And we slip back and forth between those perspectives, don't we? But I want to encourage you today. We're going to look at some scripture today. We're going to look at a really weird story out of 1 Samuel 19 in verse 18. Um, and what I want to encourage you in today is that if God is for you, what does the Bible say? Who can be against you, Right? If God's word says, I will never leave you or forsake you, if Psalm 121 says, if I lift my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. If these, all these promises are available for us, we can live a victorious life. My heart today is that each and every one of us walk out of here, whether we walked in this way or not, living at the fullest that we can live for Christ. And we don't do it to prove anything. We do it because He loved us. Amen? We don't do it to, out of works, out of responsibility or anything else. We do it out of a relationship with Jesus. But we have a weird story. Uh, this is about David. Remember that David um, has been anointed king uh, by Samuel. But Saul doesn't, doesn't like Sam, David, right? He's jealous. All of a sudden, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Uh, David keeps winning all these battles for Saul, and Saul keeps getting jealous. Uh, can I tell you, his identity wasn't good in Christ, right? <laughs> he, 
You know, if I had somebody like David fighting for me, man, I'd be going, go out there and get him, brother. <laughs> Good job. But there's this jealousy, and, there's, and the Bible says there's this evil spirit that, that, that God sent on Saul. He tries to kill David. In verse, uh, verse 18 of 1 Samuel chapter, or excuse me, 1 Samuel 19, verse 18, listen to this story. When David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. So he goes to the prophet Samuel. He shows up and he tells him everything that's happened, okay? Uh, he's pleading his case, if it will be. And then um, verse 19, uh, excuse me, told him everything Saul had done. Then he and Samuel went to Naoth. Now, I'm going to, this is as good as I can get with this. It's, I listen to it, you know, whenever, I don't know about you, you guys that are pastors, but sometimes when I can't pronounce a word, I go to the, you know, Google's great, and you can get it to say back the word in, in Greek or Hebrew. It doesn't really do me much good because I can never say it the way they do, but Naoth is what I'm going to call it, okay? So he and Sammy went to Naoth and stayed there. Word came to Saul, David is at Naoth in Ramah. So he sent men to capture him. So what are they going to do? Capture him, right? He sent these men to capture him, and Saul is going to kill him. That's his heart. That's what he wants to do, right? So he sends these men to capture them. But, they, but when they saw a group of prophets prophesying with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came on Saul's men, and they also prophesied. So verse 21, Saul was told about it. He sent more men. Guess what? They show up, they prophesy. Saul sent a third time. They also prophesy. <laughs> Finally, verse 22, I love this. Finally, he himself left for Ramah and went to the great cistern at Seku. And he asked, where is Samuel and David? Well, they're still over there in Naoth at Ramah. <laughs> they haven't gone anywhere, right? So verse 23. So Saul went to Naoth at Ramah. But the Spirit of God came even on him, and he walked along prophesying till he came to Naoth. And now it gets weirder than that. He strips off all his, his garments, and he prophesies in Samuel's presence. Then he lays naked all day and all night. And this is why the people say, is Saul among the prophets? Can I tell you something? If God has a call in your life, and you're willing to walk in relationship and obedience to him... There is nothing that's going to stop you. Saul's going to kill him. The Spirit of God moves on him. He ends up, what do you think he was prophesying? What do you think those men were prophesying? Think they were prophesying about the kingdom of David that was coming. It doesn't say, but I'll bet that's exactly what they were prophesying. They were prophesying about how Jesus is going to come from the lineage of David. And so, if God is for you, who can be against you? If God has that call in your life, which, guess what? Every one of you, God has a call in your life. Do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I was pretty weak. <laughs> I was watching a movie the other day. Um, it's a series that was filmed just over in Black Lake. Some of you heard it before. Um, God, Longmire. That's what it's called. Yeah. So it was filmed over. They actually approached Laney and I. They, we live in a 130-year-old log cabin. And they approached us about filming uh, a lot of the series in our house, in our home. 
Uh, we prayed about it and kind of heard a little bit about what the, the series was going to be, and we didn't feel led to do that. But um, I like watching this series because you see the, there's the cafe right there at the, stop, at the stop sign in Eagle Nest, and then they've a lot of sh- uh, scenes in Black Lake and the Rio Grande. And so I enjoy watching it. It's like a modern-day Western whodunit, you know, murder mystery. And so in this particular um, episode that I was watching the other night, um, the Marshal Longmire, his best friend is Lou Diamond Phillips, and, and they're having this conversation, and it's a really serious deal, you know, they're involved in some, some serious stuff, and, and they've been friends for a long, long time, and Lou Diamond Phillips looks at Longmire at the sheriff, and he makes this statement, and I don't know what it was about this that just, it just stuck with me. He said, for such a spiritual man, I'm amazed at your lack of faith. And there was something about when he said that, that just sort of, the Lord just sort of brought that into my heart. I, I went to bed right after that, and I kept thinking about that statement. And I kept thinking, I wonder how often the world says that about us. For such spiritual people, I'm amazed at your lack of faith. And so I want to challenge us today that if God is for us, who can be against us? If we are already seated in the heavenlies, our spirit man, our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions is being conformed into the image of Christ. But if we have all the spiritual blessings, we have all the promises of God, I mean, that's where our faith needs to rise from. It's not from our abilities. It's not from what we can do. It's because of Christ in us. Is that right? And so he's called us to, to disciple the nations. Man, that's incredible. That's impossible, by the way. But see, with God, all things are possible, right? And so you have a part of doing that. You have a specific part, and God has equipped you to do that. I want to show you some stuff in Hebrews chapter 2. So if you'll turn over there, we're going to actually go through pretty much the whole chapter. Pretty amazing stuff. Chapter 1. In fact, I'm going to turn over to chapter 1 just real quick, the very last verse. Chapter 1 is about the supremacy of Christ and how he's greater than the angels. And it's, he's, the writer of Hebrews is, is laying this whole thing out about Christ and, and who he is and, and his authority. Um, but he makes a statement in the very last verse of chapter 1. And this is along the lines of, if God is for us, who, who can be against us? That we, He's equipped us. To reach the world, right? So the last verse in in Hebrews 1 says this, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? What? (laughs) See, we're not in charge of the angels, by the way. We're going to read in that in just a second. That's, but there's a world, there's a, there's a, a realm or in a life coming where we are going to command the angels. But Jesus is commanding them now. But God has sent, he said, all angels, ministering spirits, sent to do what? To serve us. They're not at our beck and command. We're not in charge. But they're around us. And so it's not our strength, it's not our power that we're operating in. It's God's. 
but he is sending ministering angels around you. I wish, I wish, I love the story of, uh, remember when Elijah and his servant are, they're surrounded and, and the armies are all around, you know, and, and the servant comes in and goes, man, we're in trouble. Have you looked out the tent? And Elijah walks out and he says, hey, Lord, open his eyes. And the, the veil is removed from the servant and he sees the ministering angels, thousands upon thousands of them. We can't always see in the spiritual realm, but in faith we believe that God has equipped us and he's surrounded us with ministering angels. Isn't that good news? I mean, you guys ought to be happier about this. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> this is good stuff. Hebrews chapter 2. But there's a warning in verse 1. He says, we must pay, it, pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Okay, so the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us. He's been talking about us in chapter 1. But all of a sudden, he said, hey, you've got to make sure you keep your eyes on him. We've got to keep our eyes on the prize. We don't get caught up in our own strength. We get caught up in the things of the world. We can do that once in a while. We all do that. But we live from this heavenly perspective. We live from knowing who we are in Christ. He goes, verse 2, For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Have you thought about what your salvation looks like recently? I think uh, Jay was saying, I, I believe, in, in worship this morning, do you remember that time when you accepted the Lord? Some of you, I know it was more of a process. For me, it was a dramatic one moment I wasn't saved, the next moment I was. And my life was dramatically changed. And I look back and I see what God did before and I see what he does now. And it's incredible. I tell people all the time, if there was no promise of heaven and all I had was just be able to live with Christ here on this earth, I'd take it 100% of the time. The world has nothing to offer me that can compare with Christ living in me. Isn't that right? I mean, that's how much he loves you and that's how good he is. He loved you enough to die for you. Amen? All right, so this salvation, make sure I'm not getting ahead of myself. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed by those who heard him. In other words, the apostles, those that were there, they heard him. Uh, they heard the voice when he, God said, this is my son, I'm well pleased with him. Verse 4, God also testifies to it. What is it? The salvation, right. Okay, God testifies to the salvation by signs and wonders, okay? Uh, we know we're promised in the last days we're going to see signs and, and wonders. We're going to see signs in the sky and all these different things and various miracles. And by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to, the, to His will. So, most of the time, who does God use to do miracles? Pat yourself. He uses people because he gave us his authority and power here on earth, led by the Spirit, you know, by his word. We don't, we don't have, we're not supposed to just do our own thing, but he's given us the authority and the power so that we can change lives through Jesus Christ. That's good news, isn't it? So that if you're sick and hurting today, I love that song, by the way, that you did, because 
it's saying, hey, we don't focus on the healing, right? We focus on the healer. But God gave us this anointing and this gifting to pray for people, to see people be saved, see people be set free, see people be delivered and healed because he gave us his spirit. We don't just live in a physical realm. We're citizens of heaven. He's given us the supernatural abilities to be able to touch lives through him, not through us, right? Yeah? yeah. Okay, there you go. Stay awake now. Verse 5, it was not angels that he subjected the world to come, which we are uh, speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. Now, I want you to hear this because I've read this scripture, I don't know how many times in the 30 years that I've been a believer, but the Lord kind of began to open my eyes to this a little bit. Listen to this. He says, There's some, there is a place where someone has testified. I'm in verse 6, by the way. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Who's he speaking of? Okay, great. A son of man that you care for him. Now, all of my life, and I, I could be wrong. This is my personal opinion. I want you to hear that. But I went through a bunch of different translations to see how this read. I've always believed that it was, he was talking about the son of man, which is Jesus, right? That's, that's how I used to see that. But this version says, a son of man that you care for him. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Verse 7, in this NIV, it says, you made them a little lower than the angels. So what would that indicate he's talking to? Okay. You crowned them with glory and honor. Wow. He's crowned us with glory and honor? Not, we're not God. We're never going to be God. We're not in charge. We're never going to be in charge. Jesus, But we're, our spiritual man is seated in a place where we have received glory and honor. Not the glory and honor, but he loved you so much. He said, you are special. And I'm giving you, you're going to receive glory. You're going to receive honor. You're going to, you've been faithful. When we're in the heavenly realm, we finish the fight. Here on the earth, we're still fighting the fight, Right? But he says, and you put everything under their feet. Now, again, man, I'm telling you, don't get out on your own. Don't think you're, this is, you know, this isn't about me. This is about the power of God living in me. But you know what it says? You put everything under their, their feet. And we know we put everything under Jesus' feet. In fact, we're going to read that. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet, everybody say yet. yet. At the present, we don't see everything subject to them yet, do we? We don't see cancer totally defeated. We don't see, you know, wars. We don't see the world, the, the world system defeated yet, do we? But, you know, it didn't say in this scripture, it didn't say, I lost my place. Yet at present, we don't see everything subject to him. But I believe we're starting to see as the body of Christ raises up and walks in love and walks in unity and walks in the power of God, we're beginning to see more and more of the kingdom of darkness being here on earth, being put in subject to the body of Christ under Jesus. Is that good? 
we're supposed to be continuing to take back what the enemy has stolen through the power of Jesus Christ. That's our job (laughs) until Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant, I'm bringing you home. Because we don't live in, we live in this world, but we're not of this world. So I don't know about you, but I got excited when I started seeing that. And all of a sudden I realized, we don't see everything subject right now, but I'm seeing more and more and more of God's love and his power taking over. And he's coming back. And he's going to be the king. (laughs) He's already the king, but the world's going to see him as the king. Amen? I love verse 9 because that's what it says. But we don't don't see it subjected, all of it right now, but we do see what? Jesus. Is it up there? Yeah. Verse 9, but we see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that... By the grace of God, he might take taste death for how many people? Everyone. Everyone. It's available to anyone who is willing to accept that. You may be in this room today and you may be going, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. I was at that point in my life, I know. What I'm accepting is the fact that I was born into sin. I have a sin nature that, that ruled my life till the day that I accepted Jesus' death and his resurrection. And now all of a sudden, sin no longer ruled in my life. And it no longer rules in your life. Amen? We have choice now. I didn't even have choice before. You should be happier about this. I really think so. (laughs) We see Jesus. Verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, pat yourself because he's talking about you. It was fitting for God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Who's the pioneer of our salvation? Jesus Christ, right? Okay, he's our, he's our king. He's our Lord. He is our betrothed. Verse 11, both the one who makes people holy. Now, this is really crucial. Listen to this. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call you brothers and sisters. Somebody ought to be happy about that one. I don't know about you, but that is good news. Because of what Jesus did, because I was willing to submit to that and accept that. I had a relationship with God. I have access to the Father. And now I'm in the body. I am the family of God. And if you don't have a dad or a mom or you don't have a husband or a wife, can I tell you, you are in the family of God and you have a perfect father. Amen. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. You have a perfect father, and because your father wasn't perfect on earth does not mean you do not have a perfect father, and he loves you so much. He gave up his most prized thing, his son, for you. That's good news. <laughs> that is good news. Accept that. You've got to receive that. You've got to let that truth go in, that you have a family. God is the father to the fatherless. Verse 12, he says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am, and the children of God has given me. This is Jesus. Verse 14, though, I want to end with this. 
Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he may do what? Break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. The power of death, if you're in Christ Jesus, no longer has authority in your life. Amen. Okay? I love what he says next. This power is broken, okay? And verse 15, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. I believe that the fear of death is the root of most fear, if not all of it. Okay? If you're afraid of spiders, what are you afraid of? They're going to bite you and somehow they're going to kill you. Fear is rooted in a fear of death and Jesus overcame that. So we don't, he says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but I gave you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And fear no longer has to drive and push you and and command your life anymore. Amen? Hang in there. Verse 16, for surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, and we are those descendants in Christ. Verse 17, for this reason, he had to be made fully like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, and listen to this, and he might make atonement for the sins of the people he paid the price, legally we are bought and paid for because of his blood. And then verse 18, I love this. This is what I really wanted to close on today. Verse 18 says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So when we're living on this earth and we're in this world and all the things that are going on and the circumstances, and Jesus, I used to think, (laughs) sorry, I used to think, When I first got saved, he, yeah, but he didn't suffer. He didn't, wasn't tempted with this. He, there wasn't this. And the Lord finally began to slowly show me, son, he suffered. And it was, he overcame every temptation. And he can be merciful for us when we're struggling in those temptations. The key is what? To cry out. Take our eyes off of the problem and put them on the solution. That's the key. That's how we overcome. When the thoughts are, are negative, when the, the enemy is telling me you're going to die, you're gonna, this is going to happen, or that's going to happen. I don't have to listen to him. I listen to my God that says, here's the promises I made over you. I will never leave you and forsake you. I've equipped you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. You've got to do it in Christ, though. Our focus has got to be on him. But there's nothing we can't overcome. Is that right? There's nothing we can't overcome. And there is a lost and dying world out there that is hurting and they need Jesus and we're carrying that presence with us. And we have the ability, we don't have the ability, but there's times when God will use you to say, can I pray for you? I've seen God do miracles so many different times and every time it happens, the people are drawn to God, not to me. Isn't that right? That's what's supposed to happen. We're just supposed to go, here's what he did for me. Nobody can argue with your testimony. It's your testimony. (laughs) So I want to encourage you this morning.
is the world looking at us and saying, for such spiritual people, I'm amazed at your lack of faith, or are they saying, for such spiritual people, I see such love coming out of you. And out of that love, faith rises up. Faith and hope and love are going to remain, but love's going to be the greatest one. And when we lay down our lives, when we take that risk, when we see somebody that's hurting, and sometimes it's a risk, isn't it, when God says, I want you to go pray for that person. (laughs) Sometimes we don't want to do it, do we? I want to encourage you. When we're willing to lay those things down, God has equipped you with everything you need. Amen? If he did it for David, he'll do it for you. Because he's not a respecter of persons. He sent his angels to minister and to help you. He's given us his word, all the promises of his word. He's given us his spirit. And he's given us each other. So that we can walk together in unity. And we will overcome the world because Jesus already overcame it. But if, yeah, that's good news. Give God a clap on me, would you? So if we can keep our eyes, if we can keep remembering that we're seated in the heavenlies now, our spirit man is perfect and whole, right? We're being transformed. We're being conformed into the image of Christ. But we want to keep changing our perspective, right? When we get caught up in the trouble and the things of the world, all we got to do is look to him and, and say, Lord, show me through your eyes. And we will. I, I don't know about you. Somebody told me this a long time ago, right at the end of your Bible, at the very right at the end of Revelation, in big old letters, just write, we win. Because <laughs> we do. I want to ask our intercessors to come up. They're going to be available to pray for you this morning. I don't know what you need. Maybe you just need prayer for encouragement. Maybe you're going through something difficult. You need healing. You need wisdom, salvation. There's a couple pastors sitting right over here from Arkansas. Welcome, brothers. We're so glad to have you here. They'd love to to speak with you. But don't leave here without finishing whatever God wants to finish in you. Maybe there's a loved one that you need to to just stand in a gap for, but maybe you've been walking in with this earthly perspective, and all of a sudden you realize, man, I've been begging God for things he's already done. (laughs) He's already equipped me, and I'm going to keep my eyes on him, but I'm seated in the heavenlies with him. Maybe there's just something serious you need help with. I find it's interesting when we do altar calls because I can see God highlights people to me and I know you want to come up. See, I just read a scripture that told you you don't have to be, a, you don't have to be given to fear anymore. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to be bold for Christ. Amen?